0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with Detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I am thrilled to have noted author Christopher Owen on the podcast. He's on the podcast today to talk about his most recent novel, Faith, a romance beyond belief. I'm excited because Chris... He is a wonderful author, a fantastic individual, and his book Faith is about Aaron, an atheist, and Faith, a Christian, and how they strike up a romance, and yet their friends and family provide their own perspective on maybe why they shouldn't be in this modern-day Ro, modern Romeo and Juliet-esque relationship. I don't want to give anything away. You'll have to tune in to listen to the conversation I had with Chris, as well as go purchase your own copy of Faith so you can get caught up and read along with us. So, well, we're not reading. We've already read it. Chris wrote it. I read it. We're talking about it on the show, but you'll get to read it and know more once you are done with the podcast today. Now, a little bit about Chris. Christopher Owen lives in Colorado with his wife and two cats. His work has appeared at Daily Science Fiction, Everyday Fiction, Mirror Dance, 1111 Literary Journal, New Myths, and Other Places. He is a graduate of the Odyssey Writing Workshop in the Yale Summer Writers Conference. Now, one thing I have to tell you is that Chris is a fantastic writer. His work, he writes science fiction. He writes romance. He writes fantasy. There's so many avenues that Chris writes that you're going to want to catch all of his work. Um, But before we get to the conversation with Chris, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Chris is coming right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long form, a career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family. Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast with me at this time. He is a world-renowned traveler, an incredible author, one of my dear, dear friends, and I'm lucky enough to call him family, Christopher B. Owen. Christopher, how are you doing tonight? Chris? Christopher? Chris? Which would- which um, I think Chris is great. We'll Chris. just
1: be friendly here. So yeah, <laughs> I'm doing great tonight. Joe, thanks for having me on. Yeah, excellent.
0: I'm excited to have you on the show tonight. We're going to talk quite a bit about your most recent novel, Faith. Um, And there's so much goodness within this book. And you and I have talked quite a bit, sort of offline here and there, as I've been consuming the book. I've been comparing it to a lot of instances within my own life. So I'm excited to get into that. But before we dive into that, I do want to let you know. So, for those who aren't familiar, here at the Detox Podcast, we welcome uh, people to quote unquote detox from their life, the world around them spend 45 minutes or an hour getting a window into how another person lives their life and so chris i want to ask you what are you currently detoxing from
1: okay um well i will have to say i think i'm detoxing from summer but that's not a bad thing right. i've just um when i i used to live in texas in summers i kind of dreaded because they were hot and humid But we moved to Colorado a few years ago, and now summers are wonderful and cool, and we just go into the mountains, and we go camping, and we have friends and family up, and we go see people. So summers are busy. It's a good busy, but I am, you know, getting it's getting to the end of summer, and I'm kind of worn out, so I'm looking forward to fall now. So detoxing from summer, but it's a good thing. Yes. No,
0: I think that's, it's a healthy detox, right? It's a, good, it's a good opportunity to reflect and go, this has been great, this has been fun, and now I'm done, and I'm ready to take a little bit of time and breathe a little bit and recharge yes. and then be ready to welcome folks again the next time it's right Absolutely. No, the think No, I think that's great, and I don't think we take enough time often in our day-to-day to really um, take that time I think COVID forced a lot of us to take that time. Um, And so I know for me personally, it's given me the opportunity to recognize how fast I was moving on a day to day basis before the pandemic and recognize when I'm hitting that sort of wall, like you're talking about of like, okay, this has been a lot of fun and I don't regret any of it. And also I need a little bit of space. So all of it's goodness. You bet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's well, let's talk about Faith. And no, I don't mean George Michael. No, we're not talking about Wham. We are talking about <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about your novel Faith. And what's what's so interesting to me is the fact that it's it's sort of like and I think you've scripted this out or pointed it out before, but it's a little bit like a modern-day Romeo and Juliet-esque story. So if you would, can you walk the listeners through the concept, not the concept of faith as a spiritual entity, but the concept of faith, the book, and sort of your early ideas of this particular story.
1: Okay, absolutely. So would you like a little summary of the book? Just yes. Like a blurb? Yeah, Okay. We'll start so, start with that. And we'll, we'll start with that and then we'll move on. So yeah. faith is the story of Aaron. He's an aspiring filmmaker and a confirmed atheist. And he meets on a he's on a uh, music video shoot because he's you know working in the industry Mm -hmm. and he meets a girl named faith faith carlisle and they fall he falls head over heels for her just one problem she's a christian daughter of a wealthy televangelist (laughs) and so complications ensue as the blurb says so (laughs) so that's kind of the story and they you know won't give these spoilers away but you know they stay form a relationship and the, the main bulk of the beginning of the book is the problems they encounter from their well-meaning but biased family and friends mm-hmm. who don't really get both sides of the picture right so that is kind of the summary of the book um and if you want me to go back to the beginnings of where this novel came from um, we almost have to go back over 20 years ago um, <laughs> my ideas just a long time <laughs> so um the i guess the two elements that formed the beginnings of faith um In 2000, I was on a Europe trip, uh, the British Isles, and it was a three-week tour of all the you know, England, Scotland, Wales, et cetera. Right. And the tour guide was this uh, beautiful Australian woman named Faith. And at the time, I was an aspiring writer then, and I kept a little moleskin notebook in my back pocket, and when I got an idea or something was interesting, I would just write it down there. So I wrote the name Faith as possible character. So that just sat there for a long time. And the second element was a year or two later, I was at like a coffee shop, a Starbucks or something and just having a cup of coffee. I might even have my laptop writing. I don't know, but I remember this vividly. There were two young women having a conversation and they were close enough. I could kind of hear it. Mm -hmm. And uh, one said to the other, I just met a cute boy, but I can't date him because I'm a Christian and he's an atheist. Uh And so that is the Genesis in that, you know it sounded like a great idea for a book yeah and uh, as a writer we're always looking for conflict and because that's what drives a story along and so that sounded like a great situation for conflict so i just wrote that in my notebook and that was you know like i said almost 20 years ago and i didn't actually start writing it till 2010 and i finished in 2020 so it took me 10 years to write multiple reasons and we can get into those later, but basically um, you kind of wanted to know a little bit about where, the, the original way I was going to go with it. And I, yeah. I was looking in my writing files mm-hmm. and I found a little file from 2007. the first piece of writing I ever did on faith was a little treatment that like a paragraph. Mm-hmm. And this was just, I sat down and thought I need to start writing this. And so I wrote a paragraph about that. It was like, kind of a summary of what it was going to be. And it was very different. It was, I thought it maybe might be a young adult book. And I set it in a high school and they were both new students, faith, the Christian, Aaron, the atheist. They didn't know at first, they hit it off, but then they found out. And then they secretly made a pact to with, with themselves to convert the other. And that was going to, you know, the hijinks ensued. Right. So obviously <laughs> it didn't turn out that way. So there was no spoilers there because like I didn't write that club. book. No. I'm kidding. Yeah, sort of like that. So, <laughs> But I, I ended up, um, when I started writing in earnest in 2010, I, it was about the time I retired so I could write full time. Sure. And I just thought I think to be a little older. So they're in their mid to late twenties now, and that way they're a little more mature and have their spiritual beliefs or lack thereof have evolved to some extent. So, so that I guess is the genesis sure. of the book itself. Yeah, I
0: like that you're referencing the genesis of the book in a in one that is called faith. I like the like the, oh, un- yes, yes. the unintentional Pardon or intentional pun. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, I think it's great. And what 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 I appreciate about the story and the characters themselves is the fact that they're older, right? So you've got these characters that have lived some life and have, have, um, have life experiences that affirm what they're currently aligning to, and they have these good or bad experiences and exposures to different peoples and cultures and situations that really grounds them where they're at. So it doesn't come off to me as a, as a reader it didn't come off as Aaron the Atheist was just always like, I disbelieve literally everything, ergo I am right, like a little bit arrogant, I would say in that way. It doesn't quite come off right. that way. It comes off as earned, right? He's earned this perspective because of the life he's gone through and the beliefs he has and his understanding of religion as a concept or a construct, rather, I should say yes. in, in that way. And then faith as well in a similar way has gone through her own journey and also no spoilers, but she's gone through her own journey and perspective to arrive at this belief juncture for her, which sets her up to, to be um, a really good, I would say verbal uh, foil um, or maybe not foil, but verbal, like I would say sparring partner, so to speak yes, with Aaron yes, to develop right. that relationship. And so that was some of the most interesting aspects to me. So I like how you said you had this initial idea, but you evolved that because you understood that these characters needed to have some life experiences. Um, so so anchoring on that, I would say what what was um, what was some research maybe that you did for the book either from an atheist perspective or from a Christianity perspective um, that maybe you didn't know ahead of time that helped you as you were writing these characters?
1: Okay, very interesting question. So I, I did do a lot of research. Um, so, or I read a lot of books. Obviously, um, I read the Bible. Um, I have a Christian background. I'm not very religious now. I think of myself as sort of spiritual, but I had never even going to church all the time when I was a kid. We were never like expected to actually read the Bible. I mean, they probably went over stuff in Sunday school, sure. but yeah. I never sat down. So I I spent a year. I did one of those read the Bible in a year thing where it's like it, it, on the internet, you can find these websites and it walks right. you through it. Yep. And I did that and it was quite eye opening, I must say um, <laughs> a lot of things that I didn't expect. Sure. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but that was, that helped a lot um, with um, developing these characters, both faith, the Christian and Aaron, the atheist. And I don't think I'm giving too much of a spoiler. If I yeah. say Aaron, cause this is on the very first page of the book, Aaron had a Christian background. He was yeah. raised in, by his grandmother's a Christian and, then rejected it and i think that made him more rounded and interesting than if yeah. he had just been an atheist his whole life but so like he knew some about the bible because he had read it so that helped and then i read some books on atheism like uh let's see um the god delusion by richard dawkins is a really famous one and that was very interesting a few others and then i just you know kind of researched um online that i could, i found a lot of websites of, that were had people that were atheist and Christian in a relationship, you know, one one of each. Sure. And so I thought this book might appeal to people like that, because um, I also looked to see is there a novel about a Christian yeah. dating an atheist. I could not find one, so <laughs> I thought, oh, an original idea. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so those were some of my research, um, and then you know, as a writer, you you take elements of your own life. You know, these people. You know, the character of Aaron is not me. Yeah, he's in many ways very different but there's a lot of things he did he's an aspiring filmmaker I spent a few years in the indie film industry sure. so that informed a lot of his filmmaking skills and yeah. knowledge so things like that just helped you kind of you know like I remember hearing an interview with uh the filmmaker um Robert Rodriguez and he said use what you have yeah. you know if you're trying to shoot an indie film on no budget well what do you have well write that in your script so, like, what do I have knowledge of? so I write that in my book? I like so. it
0: that's very cool, yeah, that's very cool. when you were I would say, um, yeah, first thing I thought of when you said you were reading you're going you saw the like three hundred and sixty five days. Bible passages, you're searching that and you're searching atheist books, I think your algorithm was very confused. Like, what are you doing? What are you yes. we're trying to design programs and, and and ads for you? We're not sure what to do. Anyways. Um Right. <laughs> right. That that tripped him a little bit, I right, think. Right. Um, as you're going through a novel like Faith and you're thinking of this was this was something i, I would say and i want, i want to think about how i want to word this so we so i make sure that there's zero spoilers but i would say when when i as a reader am approaching a book like faith and i'm seeing the obvious comparisons to stories like a romeo and juliet as an example i'm i'm going in because of sort of my own preconceived notions i'm going in not expecting necessarily good things. I'm kind of like always a little bit tense, like, Ooh, I'm worried about the characters. I'm worried about what's going to happen next. So I would say when you're approaching this work and you're writing and you're sort of allowing the story to unfold in front of you, is that something that you had on the forefront of your mind of like, I think this has sort of a predetermined ending or was it more of, I'm not quite sure where the story is going to unfold. And I'm interested, I, as a writer, I'm interested to see where it's going to go.
1: Great question, and um, the answer sort of explains a little why I took 10 years to write the book, uh, (laughs) one of the reasons. But, uh, so, um, there's a couple of ways to approach writing a novel or even a short story. You get an idea, maybe it's just the beginning of the idea, oh, I've got an idea for an atheist and a Christian today, but where does that story go? Mm -hmm. And then you gotta kinda, you can start writing and see where it goes and figure it out, or you can just sit down and plan and then write an outline and see if that works long before you ever write 200 pages of prose or more so there's different angles um I started writing faith the way of just I started writing and I saw where it went and I wrote about what I would consider half of the book um it's not the half that made it in but it was what I wrote in 2010 and then I got Stuck. two reasons i got stuck one it wasn't going the direction that i wanted it to go or i thought it needed to go yeah and two i really my skills as a writer weren't good enough yet i needed more education i needed more time to write so i put the book aside um and i got you know i I attended some writing workshops and i wrote short stories i developed myself as a writer and then i would revisit faith from time to time but ultimately and uh the ending that i thought it should have i'm not going to give any spoilers but i I thought it should have one type of ending and the characters didn't want it to go there Mm. so finally in 2019 i I guess 2018 we were getting ready to move to colorado we're still in texas i started writing working on faith again from the ground up starting over from the beginning i mean i kept some stuff but i rewrote a lot but I I started letting the characters tell me where it wanted to go, mm. and they told me they wanted a completely different ending what I envisioned it should have. And once I you know we moved to Colorado, I kept writing, and it, once I decided to let them go where they wanted to go, it just almost wrote itself. <laughs> so that is that's and that's one way of many that a writer can work. I've I've worked on other books where I had a complete outline, you know, had everything planned in advance. But sometimes that spontaneity is great. And there were several scenes in faith that literally as i was writing it something like the sentence just changed on as i was typing wow. to something else and i'm like okay that needed to be there yeah that was much better than what i thought it would be so <laughs> but it's just those are those you know little bits of what's the word serendipity yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. i like it i like yeah. it yeah
0: um you know as we're in we as we're recording this so people could be listening to this as this is just released on Tuesday, August 30th, or they could be listening to it in 2022, or they could be listening to it in 2042. Who knows? So anybody could be listening to this at any given point in time. But as it stands right now, I mean, we are in a very tumultuous time within this country where you have people sort of on those two different uh, belief spectrums um, not able to... Forget about a romantic relationship, not even able to have a civil conversation over a cup of coffee uh, in the day. And so I wonder, and I was reflecting on this after I had read it, and I was rereading certain portions of it uh, in preparation for this. And I was wondering, you know, in this current climate, can we ever truly have sort of an Aaron and Faith uh, existence on on a macro level? I wonder, and I, it's it's more like, I don't know that we're going to solve it, but I'm interested what your perspective is, kind of placing this book in the current day-to-day interactions that you see around you.
1: Yeah, so I do, I think, you know, on a macro level, it's very difficult. Right. On an individual level, I think two people that are open-minded can have different belief systems, whether it's two different faiths, you know, Christianity and something else, or, you know, or, or atheism and a religion. But yeah, when you get to the bigger spectrum, it's very difficult because it's not just religion, it's politics yeah. and it's, you know, ways people believe that their kids should be raised yeah. and different concepts of what's right and wrong in the world. Yeah. So yeah, we're in a very tumultuous time. And I mean, of course, if you go 20 years ago, people might say that about their time, but, but having lived through 54 years of this, I it feels like it's more tumultuous and difficult now than ever yeah in a lot of ways so it does yeah i it's a weird time to put this book out you know (laughs) in my sort of naivety was i'm saying that right yeah yeah. Um, then uh i thought well this is a book that maybe will appeal to both christians and atheists but i think in some ways um it might not because Maybe a Christian might say, Well, this is a book about an atheist. I want to read that. And the right. atheist might say, Well, this is, this book is positive towards Christians. I try to be open minded and positive as a writer to both. Yeah. Now, my main point of view character is Aaron, the atheist, although we do kind of get into face head some too. But so it's more from the point of view of an atheist. And I, that was kind of why I had to research things like that. But, um, but I try to be fair to both sides, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I know this this is not new, especially to those who've been listening to the show for a while, but I've, as I've brought this up a few times, but I feel it, it, it bears repeating that I feel my perception is growing up, when I did, growing up when you did, growing up several, you know in different different eras, mm-hmm. you didn't have the ability to go online and find a community of, of like-minded individuals. And while that is very helpful for a lot of things, Um, It can be detrimental because it creates echo chambers where we are not able to see a different perspective. Whereas when you had to interact with your immediate local community, you definitely would have people that saw the same as you, saw differently from you. Exactly. Had a different perspective. And you still like just went, well, you know what? we got to live together. So let's find some common ground and hear each other out. And now it's like, nope. Don't need to hear what you have to say because i've got a thousand other people that are just going to chant your right back at me so oh yeah that's a very good observation
1: i think that is one of the the ills of the social media world we live in is that people can find that and that they, they no longer choose to listen to other points of view which i think is very important i try to be as open-minded as i can and i you know, I have Facebook friends that have different political views, religious beliefs than me, but I try to just be open minded to that. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, so, but uh, it can be difficult. And, you know, I think exactly like you said, people find their own little echo chambers and it empowers them having yeah. a single point of view. So, yes. Yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is to that. But no, no, definitely
0: no. is that will uh, not? Uh, it's not going to be solved tonight. I would say that, but I what I try and tell people when they point out to me the goodness of that echo chamber or community of support, right? What I say mm-hmm. is yes, there is goodness there. I don't want to. I don't want to downplay that. What I do want to say is, I think it's helpful to be inspired, empowered, and get resources from that community, and then sort of fill yourself up and then go have those conversations. So don't avoid the conversations. I think it's helpful to get the community of support, but then don't allow it to become an echo chamber by staying there, come out of the virtual door and have those conversations and listen because um, at the end of the day, I don't care what people say. We all want to have people listen to us and respect our opinion and, and just care about us. And so Exactly. We can yeah. do that. Yeah. Can List, listening is so important um, for many reasons, for a writer, so you can observe the world, but also right. just for a
1: person in general. And, you know, I, we, what, like we're talking about the echo chambers and such, and I, you know, social media in its nascency has been an eye opener because people tend to have you no know, filters in some cases yeah. and like people that I think are perfectly wonderful in person suddenly turn into these monsters. Right. Not everybody, but some people and it's, I'm just shocked. So yeah. sometimes it's better, but you don't say, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no,
0: that's a good point. Um, coming back to the book. I know one thing that was interesting for me and I know I've shared this with you before is I, I almost felt as a, as an individual sort of seeing myself as the characters I saw a lot of my perspective in Aaron's upbringing as far as the the church background, the sort of getting burned by the church and then kind of moving away from the institution as a whole. And then I also saw myself in faith in a lot of her perspectives and beliefs with sort of where I'm at now in a lot of ways. Um, And so I was blending, sort of blending the two perspectives. And what I would say is, as you've been discussing the book with with other people who have read it, um, have you found that there are more and more people that are sort of like almost identifying with both of them? Or are you seeing like more of one or more of the other?
1: Oh, that's a great question. And to be honest, I think a little bit of both, because um, I think people tend when they read a book to see them a little of themselves in the characters. Mm-hmm. Because, of, of, I think a book, a, a novel, a story can it only provides so much information. But people are natural listeners to stories. We yeah. you know throughout human evolution, we listen to people tell stories. But they only give so many details and a, a really good writer or storyteller gives just the right amount of detail to let the reader or the listener fill in the blanks with their own experience and their own imagination if you don't give enough it's like the, they call it in writing the white room syndrome you know i mean that was a term that we used in writing workshops that you're you're not giving me enough detail right. but on the other hand, if you give too much then you can take away the experience the reader has right. so but yeah, I found that I was just, uh, I was invited to a book club last weekend. and It was these uh, wonderful women and they all seemed, I mean, they seemed to have really enjoyed the book and they asked a lot of great questions. And, but they were all very, the Christian women, you know, going that went to church and yep. or go to church, but they were very open-minded about the book. And they had, they found Aaron an interesting character. Um, funny story, I'll be brief. Sure. But one of the women, um, uh, thought it was an autobiography oh, no. and thought Erin thought was going to be at the book club. And then she mentioned it to her friend who was hosting the book. We said, no, no, this is fiction. So um, she had to completely re get into a different mindset. But, but there, it, of course that story got told at the book club and everyone had a good time with it, but it was, it was very sweet. But yeah, I'm like, no, this is, this is fiction, <laughs> but yeah, they, they both, they were very, they were very open-minded about it. And this was a very Christian group of women. Mm-hmm. So um, um, and I, I really honestly haven't got a ton of atheist perspective on the book. Um, because I think there are, I mean, I don't know a lot of them, you know, I, that's why I had to do a lot of research, but, uh, I would like, to, I would welcome that. So anyone out there, <laughs> let me know. I like it. Very cool.
0: All right. Well, as we're uh, wrapping up this portion what uh, of faith, I've got some more writer questions I want to ask you as well. Absolutely. But, yeah. But, um, I would say what? What lessons? I mean, we talked. about I would say a few different lessons that you want people to 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 walk away from. But I would say anything. Any other lessons or perspectives that you really hope people take away when they're done reading Faith? Okay,
1: so I would just like people to take away that a relationship like this is very possible uh, in the real world. There's, I've obviously encountered websites where people are writing writing in about their atheist slash Christian relationships. And that people can just be open-minded. Um, you know, I think that both of these two characters—they have their flaws. You never want an imperfect character. Sure. Um, you always want them to have some flaws because then they can grow and have a character arc, so they get better towards the end. They may still be a little flawed, but um, I won't go into it. But each character had their flaws. But I think one of their strengths and one of the strengths that they grew into was being more and more open-minded. You know, like when you when you read the book. I will say this about the character faith. She is my ideal of a the of a great Christian. Yeah. Um and the, the the aspect of that is being open-minded, not being like some of the people, and not everybody. I've met a lot of great Christians. Um, but I've met some that are very narrow-minded. And it's like, if you don't believe in my exact denomination, then yeah. you know, you're in trouble. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, that I think those two things is what I would like people to take away from it. I like Absolutely. it.
0: Absolutely. Very cool. Um, so now writing, let's 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 wind the clock back. I'm like cranking, okay. cranking, uh, 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 and, uh, I guess a fishing line. I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, f- folks can't see it, but I'm just moving like a hand bike. Uh, I, it's like the, when the movie fades and everything is yes. wavy and we're yes, going back yes. in time. Let's wind yes. the clock back a bit. I want to know what were some of your earliest memories writing and what drew you to the, to the art form, the medium, as it were?
1: Okay, so I did develop an interest in writing at a very early age because I developed an interest in reading. Although I was a very like slow learner, uh, nothing too bad. But I, you know, went into like first grade for some reason they didn't put me in kindergarten. So I kind of went in with like a little bit behind the power curve. Gotcha. It was just barely beginning to read. So I used to try to read books and they were like kids books with pictures. Mm-hmm. So I would just kind of make up my own stories and go with the pictures. So I couldn't quite get all the words yet. So sure. I guess you could say that was a, you know, um, very early <laughs> indication of creativity somehow. But, yeah. but no, I, uh, when I did begin to read and and read voraciously, like more like third grade, fourth grade, then I just, I had this epiphany moment. Somebody made these stories up mm-hmm. That is so cool. Yeah. I want to do that. So I started even in like, like you know, fifth, sixth grade. I just had these spiral notebooks and I would write stories in my little bad cursive script. And uh, I think so that was kind of my beginnings. I didn't. They were a little like science fiction stories. I think one of them, the moon was going to crash into the earth and things like that. Of course. And Another one, they discovered dinosaurs in Antarctica. So yes. The Savage Land. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So so yes, um, those were the beginnings. And then um, my kind of exposure to an actual like, wow, maybe I can actually do this was in high school, there was a one semester creative writing class. It took it my senior year, very last semester of school. And the teacher was a wonderful woman named Hannah Goolsby, And she just fostered this amazing, comfortable, welcoming environment to write. And I just exploded with like, oh, I love this. And like just writing, you know, the because we, we get an assignment, like write a story about this. Yeah. So everybody write a little two-page story and turn it in. And I think if you just wrote something, you got an A in the class. So it was, it was not too difficult. It wasn't like algebra, but at least for me. But anyway, it was a great environment. And then I went to college, majored in English because I thought that's what I should do to be a writer. And then I graduated or actually i i was in my senior year and i got engaged and realized i need to probably make a living after college so i got a job as an traffic controller and i did that for 20 years and i didn't get much writing done a little bit here and there but then i retired and i thought if i'm ever gonna do this i better do it so i'm getting a little ahead of myself now but but so you kind of got the background of the uh Beginnings as a little boy wanting to, you know, write stories. So I like it.
0: it. (laughs) I like it. No, it's it's very cool because I think um, we've all, I would say, everybody that. Well, I feel, I I uh, I am of the opinion that everybody has a creative streak. I think it just manifests in different oh, ways, yeah. right? Like you're a writer. We're recording on a podcast, which is an audio medium, which I love. But some people yes. are creative with numbers, right? And they're engineers. And some people are creative with how they put cars together as mechanics, Absolutely. et cetera, et cetera. Um, I uh, I I don't know that I've said this before on the show, and if I have, then. Uh, People get to hear it again, but uh, when I was very young, I was obsessed with creating my own comic books, my own graphic novels, and so yeah. I created a series called Movie Man and Bookworm. It looks suspiciously like Batman and Robin would have gotten <laughs> slapped with some cease and desists were it yes. Uh, yes. were I older. Um, no, but uh, but Movie Man uh, was comprised of VHS, uh, Blockbuster VHS um, containers. Um, and his, <laughs> his like bat ears were like two VHS boxes. Um, it was yes. incredible. And then Bookworm just had a big B where the R goes like for Robin. And then he had like instead of the like little, uh, dots all the way down the front of his uh, shirt. He had a little worm that like snaked around all the way down. Oh yeah. So like That's I said, um, very much would have gotten slapped with a cease and desist from DC. Um, but that was my, <laughs> but that was my, my thought was like, this is what I want to do. And then I got to a point where I'm like, you know what? I don't think drawings for me, but I like the idea of storytelling. And so yes. I pursued that in my own way. So I love the different ways in which you've um, written uh, a lot of different perspectives. So you've got quite a few different. Um, novels as well as short story collections. So you mentioned writing short stories as well. Yes. So walk us through. There's quite a few. So I'll try and be brief. But you also have Eurospree as a novel that's out. Um, yes. You've got uh, Drinking Tales, which uh, short story collections. You've got Drinking Tales, New York Stories, Tales of Farron um, Yes. And then there's some other works as well. Miller's Tale, Lingering of Autumn, um, yeah. Warrior Thief, Green Devil, Rise of the Wolf uh-huh. Moon. And then as well, so there's a lot of uh, Tribeca Trifecta as well, which is included in the New York stories. And then you've got another novel coming out, Behavior. So I yada yes. I, I yada through a lot of that, not to diminish any of <laughs> it, but to, no, to, no, uh, no. to impress upon the listeners how vast and extensive your collection is and that they need to go catch up. Um, out of everything that I listed, Maybe if someone has finished Faith, they loved it, they're looking for their next Christopher B. Owen work to dive into. What are some
1: recommendations you have for the okay, listeners? Okay, great. So, um, my writing is kind of all over the place, um, <laughs> probably to my own detriment, but it's like I get bored in the same genre. Um, it was a lot of those, those books you mentioned are science fiction or fantasy because that's how I got my started. Just like the little kid writing the stories I told you about, I, I kind of pursued trying to be a science fiction writer. And I, you know, before I got into the, you know, indie publishing, self-publishing my novels, I published um about 40 short stories in like magazines or mm-hmm. websites traditionally where I sent it off, an editor read it, and they either rejected it or bought it and paid me a little money for it. Sure. So anyway um but so so those um some of the longer short stories are novella linked so it's like not quite a novel but it's longer than a short story so those were my first foray into self-publishing indie publishing what you want to call it Uh, about 2018 i had some of these stories had been published in a magazine you know several years earlier and they you know in a magazine it's out it has its moment in the sun and then it goes away and people wanted to ask to see some of my work and I didn't have any novels out yet. So I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, just the rights that were back returned to me. So I'm gonna publish a couple of these novellas on Amazon and other platforms. And I found, I really enjoyed the process. So that's where I I did more and more. So I have about, I guess there's eight or there's nine novellas, two novels and three short story collections. So that's where we're at now. And then the behavior hopefully will be out soon that the next novel. Uh, but recommendations. So if you like Faith, um, I kind of marketed it as a romance. I had some discussion with writer and editor friends and we decided that might be its best um, avenue mm-hmm. into people's um, hearts and minds. So um, but it's, you know, it's really just a traditional story, but it happens to be about two people that fall in love. So we can call it a romance. I My tagline is a romance beyond belief. So yeah. it's, you know, like. Which can mean two things. It can mean oh, beyond belief. It's incredible. It's amazing. But it can also mean it's taking place beyond their beliefs. Ah, so yes. um, but if so, if you like faith, I think you would like the Miller's tale because it, you know, it's set in a fantasy world like back in the Middle Ages type, but not on our planet, on another one. Right. There's magic and stuff. But it, it also is about a relationship between two people. Um, and uh so I, I it's my wife's favorite story of mine. So um I think that's what I would recommend. Um I'll just tell a little bit about a couple of other ones yeah. if we're doing okay on time. Yeah. So uh, Faith I think is a very deep book, although it's it's very easy to get into. It's not like super complex literature. It's not like James Joyce Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> it's it's e- easy read. Yeah. But spree was my first novel really that I finished. I started Faith before it but I you know, finished it after finished fate after your spree is more like a beach read. It's in. it's based on my adventures in Europe. And I tr- I traveled to Europe many times in my twenties and early thirties. And yeah. so your spree was kind of inspired by those hijinks and fun. So it's more of a beach read, but it's kind of a fun read. Um, behavior is going to be pretty um, heavy. It's, it's a dystopian science fiction crime thriller. So as you can see I've really all over the place. Take with my money now.
0: You just said all the magic words in the right succession. <laughs> dystopian crime sci-fi dystopian crime thriller. Get out of here. That's yeah that's a joke. Yeah, so it's right
1: there. Oh well that's great. Well I can't wait to uh to finish it. It's it's almost done. It's just the ending is just like with faith is giving I'm having to wrestle. Maybe I'm trying to go the wrong way and the characters will tell me where to go. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna be it is a I think it's a page turner. Um, it is one of those where it starts out the first page, something happens. It's a crime thriller. So there's something bad happens and it's just, I don't let up. So it's a, it's been a fun book to write because it, you know, I, I write science fiction, romance, crime thrillers, you know, you, what have you, because I like to read all that, you know, yeah. um, you, you mentioned earlier about kind of, not being in the echo chamber, but it's also that way with writing as a writer. If, let's say you only write romance. Well, sure. you need to read other stuff too. If, if you only write Harlequin romances, you need to also read some crime thriller or a literary book or whatever, science fiction, because, and so I, a lot of writers tell me that. So I've tried to do that. So now it's made me so much, so very interested in so many different genres that I find I have to write in them too. So much to my own detriment because the conventional wisdom is if you write one book and people like it, you should write another 10 books that they're exactly the same. But I just can't do that.
0: <laughs> I understand what you mean. I like it. I like listening to, and any given day, when I'm consuming from a media perspective, I'm listening to sports podcasts. I'm listening to true crime. I'm listening to history. I'm listening to comedy, right? V- wide yeah, variety? Yeah. Because it's just like, you know, I just... I, gotta, I enjoy it, right? Good conversation. So this has been incredible. We're going to move on to the final segment of the show. So it's a segment where I li- that I like to call Things to Check Out. It's a segment where I uh, provide a recommendation of something I'm reading, watching, and or listening to, and I invite my guests to do the same. I will go first so you can kind of think of some, some different recommendations. Um, I've actually been doing a bit of... Um, um, I would say uh, I've been doing... So one of the things that I enjoy doing is consuming a lot of media, especially in a time where there's a lot maybe going on with work or there's a lot going on in the world. And so it's sort of my, my form of escapism, right? And so I, I kind of double down on the media consumption, um, And then it allows me to sort of have perspective to work some things out. So um, that's a little bit of a peek into the psyche of Joe that I don't think anybody really wanted, but they got. Um, So I would say, um, so I've got several recommendations. I'll try and breeze through them really fast. So from a watching perspective, this is probably the biggest piece. So I just binged Severance on Apple TV+. If folks have not watched that, I highly recommend it. I have actually not been that excited to watch a show end to end in a very long time it had some like twilight zone-esque vibes the whole time i loved it like classic twilight zone it was really cool um, Adam Scott's in there, Christopher Walken's in there, so mm. you know it's good, um, and uh, it's great. So for those who don't know the premise of Severance, it is a group of workers who have agreed to undergo a procedure where their brain is essentially split in two by the fact that they live their life outside of work, and then when they go into work, a f- switch flips, and then they have their work persona, and they don't—they're not aware of what occurs when the other one's on. Uh-huh. So. And then that's it. Like, that's the hook. And then you just see the season unfold. So it's not a limited series. Somebody told me they went in thinking it was a limited series and being frustrated that there wasn't a lot of, like, there wasn't a resolution that you would get in a limited series because there's a season two. Um, So there's that. Uh, I just watched Jordan Peele's movie. Nope. Uh, cannot recommend that highly enough. It's like Spaghetti Western meets Aliens, and it's Jordan Peele. And I love Jordan Peele's got like sort of a classic Hitchcock vibe going on in his stuff. Uh, which is really good, so recommend that. And then just started um, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones House of the Dragon on HBO over the weekend. Uh, I'm so far so good. I'm really enjoying the the look into it, and I feel like it's it's tied to the universe, but it's not tied to any specific book. So there's a little bit of creative freedom that feels um, that feels uh, you can feel it throughout. Um, so that's from a watching perspective. Reading besides all of the wonderful Christopher B. Owen books uh, that mm-hmm. we mentioned. Uh, beyond that, the thing I would recommend folks check out if they haven't already is the Hunger Games trilogy. I'm rereading the last book in the trilogy, Mockingjay, right now. Um, I always love it. And it's also very timely. Um, speaking about dystopian futures where there's a lot of conflict, <laughs> there's that. Um, and then the what I'm listening to. Uh, James Bay is one of my favorite musicians and he just released an album called leap. Um, so I highly recommend that he's, um, he's a British rocker, but it's a little bit more soft rock. Um, so I would definitely say go check that out. So that's everything that I'm, uh, reading, watching and or listening to So Chris, what are some recommendations you have for the listeners?
1: Okay. Well, um, so reading wise, um, I've just finished, um, um, and this is very different from the books we've been talking about, but I've been reading um, one of Anthony Bourdain's books. So oh. the, the chef, and it's uh, actually his first book um, called um, Kitchen Confidential. And it's was what made him a celebrity, but he was just a working chef when it came out and he wrote sort of an, it's not like an expose but just like a, here's what it's like to really work in the restaurant business. And Anthony Bourdain is of one of my heroes i mean sadly he left this world way too soon but he was like three of my favorite things travel cooking and writing yeah and he's a hell of a writer he's awesome cook as you can know but he and he traveled for his show so that's just all those things come together and i've always loved his tv show so i thought i need to read something he wrote and so that book was amazing i love to cook people sometimes say oh you should open a restaurant and i'm always like that's too much work. And now after reading this book, I know it is. So I don't, I don't, I just want to have fun with it. I don't want to be a responsibility. So there's that. Um, I'm like you said, you're rereading the hunger games. I love rereading books. I have certain books I've reread six, eight times, Uh, The the Lord of the Rings. I reread every couple of years. Um, and that's usually, I think I'm due next year for that. Nice. Um, another writer I'll throw, I'll throw a bone. Of a writer that probably some people haven't heard of, but in certain fantasy writing and, and literary circles, he's well known named John Crowley. And uh, he was one of those writers, a lot of people think writers make millions, and there are the Stephen Kings of the world, but most writers have to have another job or be retired or something to make, you know, to get by. So John Crowley taught at Yale and as his second job. And I got to attend a workshop at Yale under him. So and he was like, it was like a I was such a fanboy, you know. So (laughs) so his book, I mean, he has many, but the the main book that he's known for is called Little Big, and it is amazing. It's so literary and it's fantasy, but it's not like you know Game of Thrones. It's not dragons and magic. It's set in modern day New York. Well, it was seventies New York because that's when he wrote it. Yeah, and just you know, magical stuff happens. Um, there's some like, you know, the, the world of fairy, you know, gets, you know, mixed up with the real world and it's just an amazing book. So that's, I'm about to reread that. So those are my two things. As far as watching, um, I'm about to, I've just started the fourth season of Stranger Things. oh nice. So nice. Um, I love that show. It's really like that. Those kids were me and my friends mm-hmm. in the late seventies, early eighties. We rode all over town on our bikes. We played Dungeons and Dragons. We just didn't have monsters chasing. I was, us, I was about to say
0: you slayed some monsters. You we know, did we in on, our own like, minds, right? but yeah.
1: So, but it's like they really capture the <laughs> the zeitgeist of the feel of that era. So yeah. I love that show. So I'm really excited to get into the fourth season. I so, knew it and, and that's yeah. So. I'm glad. So, and uh, I'm looking forward to the is House of the Dragon, the, the yeah, new yeah, Game yeah, House front of the show. Dragon. Correct. Yep. So I'll be look. I'll be watching that soon because I was a big fan. So yeah, I've actually met george r. r martin a few times um there he taught in one of the workshops i attended but i did not get his class but i got to see him occasionally so that that's was kind of cool, cool to, and this was before game of thrones came out so sure. you know yeah. he hadn't quite got the mega celebrity status but so what anyway, you're saying so is kind of,
0: you knew you knew him when right i he, knew him when absolutely right,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh well this is awesome uh chris uh if people want to follow you and see what you're up to what's the best way for them to do that Okay, great. So
1: I am not don't have a huge social media presence. You know, I have like Facebook for friends and family, but I have a website. It is www.christopherowenwriter.com. And I have a blog as well. That's the same just with blogspot.com. But if you go to the website, there's links to the blog. Um, the blog, I, it was kind of when I first started writing, I started the blog back in 2010. And I update it about once a year now, but the website I keep very updated. So every book that's out, there's links to where to find it. Um, and they're available on you know, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all that stuff online. So um, but yeah, to check out the website that I just mentioned. That's the easiest way to uh find me. And there, there's a good reach page too. That one I don't get as much update on it, but you know, we'll see. I'm thinking of Maybe trying a YouTube channel—that's a weird thing for a writer, but you know, who knows? Yeah. So I'm I'm researching the possibilities of that. If it happens, it'll be on the website. So, very. So that's it.
0: (laughs) I like it. Well, Chris, this has been wonderful. I was. Excited to have you on the show. I'm even more excited to have you back on the show. We can talk about behavior. We can talk about all kinds of just we can predict what type of dystopian future we will be in and then allow (laughs) this podcast to be discovered in that dystopian future. And then people can tell us if we were right or wrong, but we'll be long gone. So
1: absolutely well we'll hope for a more um, what's the uh, uh, oh utopia I was trying to think what's Uh, the opposite of a a dystopia so uh, we'll hope for a more utopian future but they're fun to read about the dystopias right
0: exactly very cool well Chris thank you so much for coming on the show and listeners thank you for tuning in we'll be back next time with another great conversation Um, but you've been detoxing with detox now go and make a more inclusive world If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O dot